Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 114 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Dan Billing. Dan is a software test engineer and founder of The Test Doctor. Dan enjoys running workshops and speaking, especially in the technical testing and security space, and likes to help others to become better testers by attending events, blogging, and giving training. So Dan, can you maybe expand on that brief intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hello. So, as you said, I'm Dan Billing. I'm based in the southeast of England. I live in a small town quite close to Brighton. Currently, I work with a range of clients, uh, mostly in the London area, although I've been uh, working and living in the southwest of England for 20 plus, well, nearly 20 years. I went to university in Bath, where I trained to be a teacher, a primary school teacher. But I got into IT by after leaving my degree, realizing I didn't want to teach, um, and did customer support work for AOL in Bristol. And that's kind of how I got into that. And since then, uh, I sort of floated into testing. Some people will say they fell into testing, or that they did other things. That's, to be honest, I think I've been testing all my life. You know, from the first time I picked up a remote control and learned how to program my parents' first video recorder, in the 80s, yes. <laughs> uh, to getting my first computer, which was a ZX Spectrum, and then a Commodore Amiga. I learned how to program in BASIC when I was younger. I was one of these kids that used to hide in the library at school, learning about the computers that were in there, because that was a friendlier place than the playground quite often. Uh, that was basically how I piqued my interest in IT and technology over the last 30-odd years. I'm 42 now, so I grew up in the heyday of the early Apple computers, the BBC Electrons, the ZX Spectrums, Commodore computers. And then as those machines kind of became more games-orientated, we then got games consoles as well. So I've been an avid PC user, uh, computer user, and gamer since the early 80s. And that's kind of really what, what got me into IT, I suppose. And then from a testing point of view, it's more to do with understanding how people use applications and products. And that's the thing that really interests me the most, apart from the security aspect of my work, which is possibly my my most um, deepest passion in, in IT. Uh, Dan, can you maybe share a career tip with the IT Career Energizer audience, perhaps one they don't know and should? So I work with a lot of different people and the biggest issues in organizations, companies, teams, departments aren't technology issues usually. They're largely people issues and they're largely to do with people's fears and prejudices or opinions, which may or may not be broadly held by a lot of people. So I, I feel often that Understanding risk and how to approach risk is one of the biggest tips I can give people by being able to 
alleviate people's pain points and their fears about risk and understanding what, what risk is to your clients or individuals in your team is a good way of going towards that. But it's not just technical risks. You're also thinking about the well-being of your teams. So are the teams operating effectively? Are they speaking to each other? Are there any blockers in those teams that are causing them not to operate effectively? And it can be anything from, um, is the office too small? Is there enough space for everybody to do their job? Is everybody sat on top of each other? Do people have flexible working arrangements so that they can work from home if needs be? Or, you know, have time to collect their kids or go to nativity? Well, we're recording this near Christmas. So lots of people are going on nativities or are ill because of flu and colds and things like that. And that's a big deal at the moment. Or do they have time to indulge in, not indulge, um, that's the wrong word, but pursue their passions within the workplace that they do and also maintain a healthy physical and mental health balance with their work. So they're, they're not overly stressed by their work or affected physically by their work through things like um, stress, for example, or working too long hours, which means they're not taking care of themselves in other ways. So keeping an eye on those risks and understanding them and communicating about them and having empathy is probably my biggest tip for a career in IT. So Dan, can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? So a few years ago, I was in my youth as a tester and I had a bit of a row with a developer on my team because I foresaw a problem and articulated that problem in raising a bug. And that's what, at the time, I thought testing was, raising bugs. I didn't really understand that it was a, a lot of other things as well, like understanding risk, social sciences, um, technical avenues of work as well, so developing a technical skill. And I was very, very new to agile ways of working. So I was frustrated that a piece of software wasn't fully developed and that I couldn't test it properly. Uh, so testability was an issue for me. Also communicating the frustration I had with the way the team was working and communicated. So I lost my temper. And that wasn't good for me because it elevated stress. It made me seem unprofessional with my team and the individual I lost my temper with. And, you know, if that person's listening, which I doubt, or well, maybe <laughs> I, I apologize. I'm not going to name names or name the company, but I apologize. And I think that where we make mistakes, we need to be able to own up to them and get past them and understand them and why they happened and those frustrations and move forward, uh, not ignore them because that means they just get brushed under the carpet but allow ourselves the breathing space to be able to solve those problems. And testing often creates friction in teams because we're critiquers. We look at a piece of software or a process or a service and we critique it. We're critics, professional critics. And we have to be able to deliver that criticism in a way that 
is positive to the people that we deliver and criticism do, be that business analysts or software developers or product owners or you know designers or whoever it might be. Um, we have to give criti- criticism to them all, and in, like in any form of work or art or craft or or technology or whatever it might be, it's always the critics that tend to get the the brunt of ire from other people in the in in the team. So let's take for example film criticism, um, and film is one of my passions outside of work. Film critics get a lot of flack from filmmakers and filmgoers because they don't seem to understand that people like action films or don't mind a bit of dumb entertainment now and again, and they don't need to be constantly educated um, all the time with their movies. Equally, there's an argument that good understanding what what people want from their work and what they want to get out of what they want to deliver, that critique is important and that we need to be able to ask the right questions and we need to ask the right questions at the right time. And I did that in the wrong way in that on that occasion. I was rude and I was inappropriate and that was something that I've learned from and learned from and learned from again and again in my, my career since that time. So it's important not to be lose your temper with your teammates. Sure. So you, you definitely feel you've, you've uh, changed your approach, if you like. Much more collegiate, much more... I try and bring in a very, um, like I said earlier, having empathy, a lot of empathy to the work I do because I have to empathize with so many people that work in the team. The customer who's going to use the software, the customer who's buying the software or ordering the software, the product owner, if it's an internal client or internal stakeholder, the people that build and engineer the software, so be that solutions architects, developers, database analysts, infrastructure developers, like DevOps type people, that kind of thing, other testers, designers, whoever they might be, all of their work comes together and then gets critiqued by a tester. Or some people like to say QA'd. Quality assurance and testing are related. They aren't the same thing. And uh, some people confuse that and that's sometimes frustrating. Yep. I thought we got past that argument years and years ago. Seems that we haven't. <laughs> and also the constant pressure that we have in teams, it, it's hard to manage sometimes, especially at this time of the year when there's a pressure to deliver and people just want to go out and have some fun. It's hard work, really. Uh, I feel like I've learned and empathy is the key. Okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you maybe tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? So from a in-the-office working perspective, I've worked at a number of different organizations, uh, different types of businesses like yourself, and I find that the most rewarding work that I've done has been where the team itself feels like it's achieved something good. Whether that's a single piece of work or a collective sort of satisfaction about what we've delivered, I generally get the most satisfaction from those moments. So recently I was in a stand-up at my current client and I was running a retrospective and the feedback and the 
general feeling in the team was extremely positive for those two weeks of that sprint. When we'd had two or three sprints previous to that, which were quite stressed out and quite difficult, and we weren't delivering on our commitments, but then we had a, a whole sprint where we had, and we felt we we got hit our stride and hit our mojo, and that was very rewarding. And that's a small thing, really. Teams are often found to be wanting sometimes when maybe an individual or individuals aren't working either hard enough or in the right way or are frustrated. But when a whole team gels together, that's the best feeling for me. And I've had that quite a lot recently in the last few months. I have to say, though, from sort of a project point of view, one of the most satisfying experiences I've had is working on systems to create naval charting systems. So I worked on a project to to produce digital charts, not just for our Royal Navy, but also for uh, commercial and private shipping. So if you have a yacht, you have to have a chart, and it's either going to be a paper chart or a digital chart. And for me, safety, you know, that's a big deal in that industry. So delivering on that project was hugely important. And it was one of the first independent projects I worked on as being self-employed. And I felt that hugely rewarding as thinking, right, I had a great first experience being self-employed. And that was a great thing for me. And that was um, about 2010. 2010 to 2012 was my first client. I had a client and I think that was a fantastic opportunity for me to really put forward my particular style when it came to running my own projects. And I think that one was particularly good for me. Other professional things would be getting my first keynote speech at a major international conference, a testing conference, that is. And that would have been uh, last year in New Zealand uh, at the WeTest conference in Auckland and Wellington, which was uh, last September. Not the September just gone, the September before, so September 2017. So it, it was fantastic getting that opportunity. And uh, that, you know, has also been a highlight. And and being a part of that community, working with folks like the Ministry of Testing, you know, that's really added a lot of value to my career and has been a huge highlight, making a, a lot of friends, close friendships and professional relationships uh, out of my work in the testing community. Dan, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? So we're going to have huge challenges it's certainly in Britain, regardless of your political viewpoints, we're going to have to adapt quickly and rapidly to a changing economic uh, status in Britain. So I presume this is going out in 2019 or late 2018. It'll be yeah, early, early 2019, yes. So we're heading towards Brexit very, very soon indeed. And it's, the B word is something we don't really talk about much in IT, but it will affect IT in Britain. We're a service in, uh, service economy in the UK now, and IT is one of our biggest services. So adapting our businesses and our approaches to suit uh, new financial regimes, new processes, potentially uh, new clients is going to be interesting. Working with a range of different types of people. So I already work with a lot of Europeans, but I also work with a lot of people from uh, India, 
and we're going to have to adapt to a whole new paradigm of working across different nations, not just with our European neighbours as well. It's going to be a huge challenge, I think, from a sort of financial perspective. That's something I'm concerned about. It's also going to be uh, a bit of a challenge as well with the you know, social cohesion of the IT industry. That's a concern, certainly in Britain. Globally, we have a much broader palette of issues to deal with. Recruitment and diversity is a big highlight for me in terms of getting the right people in the right jobs. And there's a lot of arguments about, you know, the right person is the right person for that job. But you can't find out what your team needs and the different outcomes you're going to get from intersectionality, you know, gender, race, in your customer base, without having representation on your teams as well. And I think that is going to be a big challenge going forward is to get that level of representation and also working with with organizations, recruitment, training, to deliver on that promise of diverse workforces, skilled workforces, representative workforces. One of my talks I gave last year at uh, Test Bash Philadelphia was uh, called How to Be a Red Shirt, uh, based on the red shirts of Star Trek, who were the security officers, if you remember. Indeed, yeah. The red shirts were also engineers, if you remember. The yellow shirts were, this is original Star Trek, by the way, um, the yellow shirts were command and diplomacy, and then the blue shirts were medicine and science. And you see that diversity not only in the crew, but also in the skills that they have. And for us to have good IT industry, good companies, which are great places to work, which are supportive of a range of different people and their needs, we need to recognize that diversity is important, not only in skill, but also in our the workplace as well. And that's a, something that I'm really looking forward to. There's all this other stuff about AI and automation and um, self-driving cars and you know, next year was the year Blade Runner was set and we still don't have flying cars. <laughs> so uh, as you can tell, I'm a big film and TV fan. I like to talk about testing and technology on reflecting on what I've learned from science fiction. <laughs> so, you know, we're not living on the moon like we were in 2001, A Space Odyssey. We're not living in space bases. We aren't exploring space as much as we ought to be already we're very much earth-based and we aren't doing the right things to make our lives and this earth a good place to live right now, climate control, that kind of thing. Also things like uh, solving food crises and famines, preventing conflicts. IT has a lot of things that they can offer the world in terms of our skills I work in security because I like protecting people's privacy and people's data. But more than that, I'm hugely interested in the social aspects of that as well. So IT and technology as a way to solve many of the Earth's problems, but not creating more problems through pollution. 
there's huge challenges for the earth and IT can help. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it is true. And I'm concerned about things like AI. It's not going to be like the Terminator. It's going to be much, or, or HAL, or, you know, the enterprise's computer. We can already talk to our computers now. I can say, hey, Siri, to my laptop, and she's not working at the moment because I've turned it off. Um, <laughs> um, or uh, ask Alexa to play music for us, and it will. And these devices are learning about us in our homes, what our habits are. You know, are they listening to our conversations? Are they storing that data somewhere? Are they using that to offer us products and services which we might or might not want? I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Is, okay, so we've been talking about this topic all day. And is your Amazon going to start offering you these products? Because we've been having this conversation and your Alexa's been listening to every word we've been saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a big deal. So there's a lot of ways in which uh, testers and testing can be a lot more part of that rather than sitting on the sidelines and being the last line of defense for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I think we need to get our hands dirty earlier, sooner. I don't tend to like using words like shift left because it's a bit of a cliche, but testing and the idea of testing is for me at the heart of what we should be delivering. We need to deliver quality products at the right time to the right people for the right reasons to solve the right problems. And that's the challenge of IT in the next hundred years. If we last that long, <laughs> so, I hate to be on a downer, but you know, climate and all that, it's not great right now. Okay, Dan, we're going to move into the reveal round. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah, do it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I found when I was training to be a teacher that I had a aptitude for supporting my colleagues, my fellow students with their learning. And I was the only one that was super confident, apart from another friend of mine, with computers. And I preferred that to all the admin and so on that was going on in the classroom. I enjoy class teaching, but I didn't all enjoy all the stuff that went on, you know, the politics of being a teacher, the being unable to have your own time and all this constant, you know, we've got, you have long holidays in the summer. So why do you need such, a, you know, more holidays now or more pay or, what have you. It's utter, I hate to use a bad word in the podcast, utter crap. Uh, it, it teachers ha- have to work very, very, very hard at all times of the year to deliver good education. And it just wasn't for me. Yeah, But I did enjoy teaching and working with adults. And I did enjoy building products using the tools that we had available. And I found that once I got into the IT industry proper, that testing was the way forward for me. I'd learned to write some code but I'm just not a very good coder. I do enough to do my job. Uh, I prefer solving other problems. And quality problems and security problems are my passion. So that's where we are. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? There's a, a talk by Karen Alazari. She's an Israeli ethical hacker. And she talks about the... I didn't receive this directly. This is on a TED talk that she gave called... Are hackers the immune system of the internet? 
and they are. And the way she was talking about security issues was very much how I was thinking about problems with security for our organizations and trying to deliver good security awareness in the organizations that I work with. And understanding the motivations and how security problems manifest themselves is very much due to and down to how hackers behave in those spaces and what they, you know, they highlight that there are problems like antibodies do when you get a cold, you get a sneeze and a cough that tells you that you're ill. And if you ignore that, you either get more ill or it passes. So if you ignore the behaviors of hackers and what they do, you're going to have security breaches. So for me, thinking about it in those terms allowed me to think about security problems rather than as a a symptom of a behavior, more of a uh, of hackers, for example, but of a symptom of poor judgment when building applications. So that allowed me to flip the way I taught and think about security problems. And that probably is, you know, among other advice from people in testing and tech industry, that's probably the biggest from an external point of view. There's people I listen to and talk to all the time. Uh, There's another tester I've worked with and had mentoring with called Bill Matthews, um, who's based in the Stafford area, I think. And he and I are co-chairing the UK Star Conference in March this year with another tester called Anne-Marie Sharrett. And Bill and Anne-Marie have both been very instrumental in how I think about quality and testing of applications and the philosophies that I approach and take. So I like listening to other testing professionals and other IT professionals to get my my learning. I, I'm quite an active learner. I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and TED Talks and when I can't go to conferences myself, I'm always reading books. I'm currently uh, reading Do Lead by uh, Les McCowan, which is quite a short book. I've recently read um, a few others, um, stuff by Daniel Pink and uh, and uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow and things like that, and stuff by Harry Collins uh, of the University of Wales, I think he works at. It, people like that, you know, very interesting philosophers, and technical learners where the social sciences and technology combine. It's fantastic stuff. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I still don't think I would be a great developer. I think I would want to learn more about writing code and get better at it so that I can be a more effective tester. I don't think I would change from being a tester. Yeah. I think what I would do is be a better people person earlier. So learning the mistakes that I made and reflecting on them rather than my late 30s and 40s, reflecting on those in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. So I think that's what I would change. I wouldn't actually change my job. I just think I would want to reflect sooner on the lessons that I learned, develop my, my ability to recognize my mental and physical health issues earlier and be a better colleague sooner rather than 10, 15, 20 years down the line. That's what I would do. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? So personally, 
at the moment, I'm uh, focusing on my client's needs. So understanding the client and their desires and needs and frustrations, and and that's across a number of different clients. So juggling multiple clients is quite a challenge. So being able to manage that time effectively is important to me. So I've been doing a lot of work around that, around productivity and self-study around managing my time more effectively and giving myself time to reflect on that daily and organizing my time better and also being much more concise with the way I communicate. And I realize that I'm waffling quite a lot at the moment, Uh, but it just comes from my natural flow of information that I get in my mind as I speak. I tend not to prepare very well for certain things and I need to get better at that. And being a former scout leader, uh, being prepared is important. So <laughs> um, I, I think I'd, I'd apply a lot more of those techniques and skills that I learned in scouting to my IT career as well. Right. <laughs> and what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? For me, it's being able to communicate effectively. Communication is the biggest problem in IT organizations, I think. It's not whether you're using AWS or Azure. It's not whether you're using HTTP or HTTPS, whether you're writing your your stuff in JavaScript or C Sharp. It's communication, how you share ideas, how you communicate desires, needs, wants. Uh, One of the most uh, effective leaders I've worked with in IT is a, a chap called Rob Lambert. We worked together at New Voice Media in Basingstoke. And he was my test manager or engineering manager for a long time, about three years. And he moved into human resources shortly after that. And he runs a workshop called, well, basically focusing on being a communication superhero and understanding not just the the verbal cues you get from someone during a conversation, but also the non-verbal cues and being able to recognize those. Yes. A lot of IT folks are somewhere on the autistic spectrum. I know that I am, uh, although that wasn't really recognized when I was at school. You know, it was just said, you know, pay more attention, that kind of thing you get in your school report. But actually, it's because I was easily distracted because I found myself wanting stimulation in different ways. I prefer audible and visual communication. I enjoy face-to-face communication. I didn't like sitting in silent classrooms focusing on a maths book, which was not very interesting or exciting and actually made me very, very anxious. So creating a space in which people can safely do their work and be happy and you can't meet everybody's needs and everybody be happy, but try and do the best you can to make that happen. Yeah, And that's what I'd like to do. And Dan, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Pursue your passions. Do it with vigor. Take time to explore what you are interested in, uh, whether it's in the career, your career, your chosen career, or whether it's some other passion that you have. So, for example, let, let's take another Star Wars reference here. The actor Harrison Ford, whilst an actor, is also an extremely keen carpenter. And he's a carpenter by trade. And when he wasn't acting, he's building things. So that's his passion. Acting is his profession. It's a different thing entirely. Yeah. 
don't forget the stuff that you're passionate about. And if it's computers and gaming, do that. If it's woodwork, my friend Patrick does woodwork in his spare time. Patrick Perilla, a fellow tester based in Munich, he follows his passion daily. There are other testers that I know who do the same thing. So folks I know who do crochet or uh, or exercise uh, bunnies, if you want to call them that. You know, they're always in the gym. I go swimming frequently. So swimming is my form of stress relief. I do a couple of kilometers a week in the pool where I live. That for me helps me. Other people find other means to escape, um, uh, enjoy whatever it is that you do. Don't just sit in front of the computer all day. Don't just sit in front of the TV all day. If you are, watch something educational instead of trash like soap operas. If you enjoy soap operas, watch them. <laughs> I'm not telling you not to. It's just follow your passion. Yeah. And if you find something that you're passionate about that you want to work with, then push that forward as well. And I've done that. I found that when I was a kid, breaking apart my grandparents' old telephone led me to understand how the telephone worked. And if that's something you enjoy doing, taking things apart, putting them back together, follow that passion. And so that's what I, I would do. I'll do everything I can to enable someone to follow their passion both in and outside the workplace. Okay. And finally, Dan, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? It's really easy. You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is the test doctor. That's T H E test doctor, uh, one word. And you can email me at uh, daniel.billing at the test doctor.co.uk. Uh, no spam, please. Uh, my new website is being developed very soon. So I'll be relaunching that in the new year. And also you can find me on LinkedIn and um, you can also get hold of me on the various Slack channels that I'm, I, I'm on. So I'm on the, on the Ministry of Testing Slack and also the Testers IO Slack, which is a testing-specific Slack, but I'm also on the Software Craftsmanship, Software Craftsmanship Slack as well, which is based around the Socrates conferences that are happening in Europe. So you'll find me on there too. So there's lots of different ways to get hold of me. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Great chatting with you as well, Phil. Thank you for inviting me. A quick thank you again to my guest on today's show for sharing their career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. Now that there are three new episodes of the show every week, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss out. And don't forget to join the new IT Career Energizer Community Group in Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great to hear from you and to learn about your own career journey, your successes, opinions and thoughts on the future of the industry. Thanks for supporting the show. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.